Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Matt Coyle, the Anthony Award-winning author of the Rick Cahill series, the second of which, Night Tremors, was released yesterday. Matt, welcome. Thanks for having me. Pretty good deal winning the uh, Anthony Award for your first book and the first book in this series. So for people that aren't familiar with the series, uh, let's talk a little bit about the first book and about your main character, Rick Cahill. Uh, Rick Cahill is an ex-cop who um, he lives in San Diego now managing a restaurant, but he used to be a, uh, a um, police officer in Santa Barbara and his... Uh, his wife was murdered, and he was the suspect. In fact, even years after, he remains the main suspect in the murder. So he got kicked off the force in Santa Barbara, um, settles back down in his hometown of San Diego, was used to being a cop, like being a cop, but being big behind the badge. But now his life's much smaller, um, but he has control again after being under their, you know, being such police scrutiny. So he's, he's got a little quiet life in San Diego. Uh, working in a restaurant. That's what. That's before the beginning of, um, or right at the beginning of Yesterday's Echo. Uh-huh. Which is the first book in the series. Do you want me to go on to talk about, like, where he is in the beginning of the second book? Um, well, let, let's talk a little bit more. I mean, that, that's sort of some background. And then, yes, he evolves a little bit through the first book and winds up at a, at a slightly different place at the start of the second book. Yeah, actually, at the beginning of the second book, he's in a, uh, financially, he's in the best position he's ever been in his life. He's working for a um, really um, successful um, investigation agency in La Jolla, California, and he's making a lot of money, just bought a house, uh, but he's not really happy. It's not feeding his soul because he's working the um, the adultery detail, as he calls it, where <laughs> mm-hmm. he's taking pictures of people doing what they shouldn't be doing. He's good at it. He's really good at it, but you kind of wish you could do something else. And um, a lawyer who he kind of battled with in the first uh, book comes to him with the opportunity to try to help a guy um, get freed from prison who was uh, convicted of murdering his family. And Rick's, it, that Rick kind of understands about being um, accused of doing something he, he didn't he didn't do or may, may not have done. You have to read the first book. And so he, you know, speaks to him. And so he kind of jumps to that opportunity and... Um, Puts him in some hot water with the police and his old boss, or his still boss. So for someone who was a police officer and who had some success as a police officer, I could I could see why he is so angst-ridden by his uh, peeper duty. I guess he kind of referred to it as, as that kind of thing, where he's out essentially taking pictures of people doing things they shouldn't be doing. Exactly. Yeah, at, at one point, his um, his boss, who used to be his, uh, his father, his father was a cop in La Jolla. Mm-hmm. Uh, bef- before him, but he uh, actually gotten booted off the force as well under um, bad but still mysterious circumstances, and he's passed away. But his uh, ex-partner owns this agency, and he hired uh, Rick after all the stuff went down in the first book. And at one point, he says, hey, your dad would be proud. You're, you're a crack peeper, and he thinks to himself, <laughs> well, I don't really think he would be proud <laughs> because uh, I don't really, you know, he says at one point in the book, uh, you know, unless you're a pervert, it's really not a great detail. Yeah, he's got a lot of angst about the whole thing, and that's it's it's one of the things that that drives him to take on something that, for someone who's suddenly making a lot of money, he, he's putting some things at risk by by pursuing this case that he that he winds up taking. Now, you live in Southern California as well, right? I live in San Diego. Yeah. 
And have you lived there your whole life? Uh, pretty much all. I went to college up in Santa Barbara, surprisingly, right? What you know, <laughs> but yeah, I lived in San Diego uh, almost all my life. The first book that you wrote, first book in this series, was that your first published book, Yesterday's Echo? Yeah, it was. Actually, uh, it took me about, gosh, probably about uh, 13, 12 or 13 years to get published from writing, uh, you know, initially probably on a um, legal pad and then mm-hmm. on to uh, floppy and then... Uh, <laughs> now, come on. No, I'm serious. Floppy? Uh, yeah, a floppy. <laughs> like a, a, my first, um, I bought a used um, IBM, I think, pad, I think. I put it on a floppy disk uh-huh. and then... Uh, you know, we advanced with uh, time. Um, yeah, so I I, uh, I sent it out probably two, at least two times before I initially got before I got an agent on the third time out, uh-huh. and it it really wasn't ready, but I thought it was ready, and but I was getting I was getting obviously as a lot of writers do I was getting getting frustrated because I wasn't even getting an agent, and I thought you know am I going to be the guy who just keeps writing that one book over and over again? And so, yeah, it is my first book, but I rewrote it so many times, you could probably call it about book four. Really? Okay. So it's not yeah. like you wrote like a half dozen manuscripts and then you hit on one and, and polished it a little bit and the rest is history. No, I worked one. I polished it real hard. <laughs> Until it just glistened. Yeah, until, my, until my fingers bled. It, it was uh, so bright and shiny that you won the Anthony Award for uh-huh. the um, what was best Best, best uh, first first novel, yeah. Best yeah. first novel, and so what was that like? That was great. Uh, it was a uh, it was a great night because my agent had Kimberly Cameron, who, you know, when you're when you're at this for a long time, like I said, you sent your manuscript out a lot. You know, you get hundreds or not hundreds, but up to a hundred probably rejections or mm-hmm. ignores. When somebody finally invests in you and believes in you and advocates for you. It's a great, it's a great feeling. So she was there. It was in Long Beach, the uh, BoucherCon conference last year. Uh-huh. She was there. My publishers actually came out uh, in Florida. I think you know Bob and Pat. I do know them. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, they came. They were actually there too. And uh, I had a lot of friends in the audience. So it was a really great night. Um, I was really surprised, really surprised. But it was a fantastic night, just because I had so many people that had helped. Um, people, a woman that was uh, in my that's in my writers group who had helped, you know, hone this book was there in the audience. So it was just a great night because it's a very collaborative process. I didn't realize that when I first started writing. I thought mm-hmm. you, I call it writing in a cocoon. You get in your cocoon, you write this story that only you could tell, and then boom, you get an agent, you get published, you quit your day job. It doesn't really work like that. No, it, it doesn't. No, surprisingly <laughs> enough, no. So I mean, you, you have to be in a writer's group, and you get a lot of feedback, and you have to hear what things you're not seeing yourself. And so it is a really collaborative um, effort. And to have people that mean something to me there that night was really great. Now, you went to college to learn about writing, right? Do you have an MFA? Do I have that right? No, I do not have an MFA. I went to college uh, so I wouldn't have to join the real world, I think, like a lot of people back then. Uh Um, I do do have a degree in English. Okay, all right. uh, I actually, um, I took a, there was a detective writing course taught by uh, really my favorite professor up at UCSB. Steiner, and I hope he's still alive. Uh, but, you know, um, Ross McDonald actually retired to Santa Barbara. This was back, God, I was in college a long time ago, so obviously he was still alive. But the, for the uh, detective writing course, he was going to come in and visit. And I, I'd read a lot of his books, along with Raymond Chandler, when he, before I even got to college. Mm-hmm. I thought, this is going to be the greatest experience of my life, and he never made it. So it was kind of a <laughs> letdown. But, no, I got a degree in English at UC Santa Barbara and then promptly went into the restaurant business for 10 years. 
Well, it's the traditional path to becoming published, right? That's right. These are, at least this book, um, Night Tremors, is really tightly plotted. It's, it's edgy. There's a lot of really good things about it. And the first book won an award. So were you just a natural? You, you just... Well, thanks for the compliment. No, it's... I'm, I'm, I, I knew I wanted to be a writer a lot since I was a kid, but I never really... I didn't do enough of it. But no, I don't think I'm a natural, but I've read so many mysteries over the years that I think that there's some osmosis that goes on that you sort of know um, how to put the story together. But no, the writing process for me is actually very difficult. <laughs> and I thought that... You know, I got the first book done, and I thought, well, you know, I could, you know, this is this next one's going to be easier, and, and it wasn't at all. Plus, you're under a little more time time constraints than you are in the first book, where it's pretty open ended. <laughs> so, no, it it because you, I write in first person, so you really are you're trying to give your all, especially when you built up for like ten years, you put a lot of yourself into this book, you right. spill a lot of guts in there. And I thought when I got to the next book, I said, well, do I have anything left? What's less left to tell in me? And, and uh, fortunately, through the, um, the little synopsis we gave earlier, I, I did find a way for um, to get into Rick's guts again. And um, I think it worked out pretty well. So you spent years writing the first book. What was your total writing time for the second one? Well, two years, unfortunately, um, which I really wanted to get a book out in a year. But I, uh-huh. um, I, I learned a lot. Although I'm still behind on my third book, um, <laughs> I, I learned a lot. I, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of when you're with a smaller publisher. I guess any any publisher nowadays, mm-hmm. if you're, unless you're a huge name, you do you do so much marketing. I mean, I, Ocean View is my publisher. They're fantastic at prepub. They do a tremendous amount of marketing for a smaller publisher, mm-hmm. tier publisher. But ultimately, um, there's a lot you have to do yourself. And so, you know, there's your own book tour, things like that, writing blogs, doing things. So it does take up a lot of time. So you really have to be a lot uh, more organized and focused than I sometimes am. But um, for me, the the difficult part about writing it, aside from that, was just being able to mine the emotions again for the character. Um, but like I said, I think I think I, I really found a way in, and I, I think it worked pretty well. One of the things I noticed in the book, there are certain writers that have the ability to just sort of capture a moment and and use analogy and things like that to to make a point in a way that's really interesting and that's something that you are really extremely good at is it does that kind of thing just flow for you or is, is that something that comes in a second and third draft uh thank you um it's both i think i don't really I, I, unfortunately there are periods when things start to flow for me but it's usually um Right before I have to stop writing, um, <laughs> you know, I spend two hours staring at the computer, and then the last hour I'm just pounding it out. But um, a lot of what um, I have a really horrible writing process that would not recommend for anybody, but it, it's it's sort of worked for me. Um, I don't outline. I have a, a very skeletal outline. I have an idea at the end. I have an idea what's going to happen at the end, and obviously I have a beginning, and then I have to figure out how to get there, which is fun. That's the exciting part, you know, figuring out every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I go along, I kind of, I, I call, I do what I call drop anchors where something, something will be percolating in my subconscious, which does the best writing for me. And I, I'll do what I'll call a drop anchor. I'll, I'll have some kind of wry remark or something there. I'm not even sure where it's going to go. And if I, I can, if I can fill it up, I will, but if not, I'll just move on and then hope for that my subconscious will kind of get this stuff going. And really that is, I hope that this, this is what you asked. I'm hoping that I think that 
some of these moments you talked about have come from this process where there's just something there that you drop, you put that line down, mm-hmm. and then on revision, as you're revising, as you're going through, and then, oh, yeah, I know exactly, I know what that meant. So I try to trust that a lot because I am a blank pager is what I call it. People call it a pantser. I call it a blank pager where you have to figure it out each day. Mm-hmm. So, and you, But your mind's working on the book a lot when you're not really sitting in front of the, the um, computer. So I try to trust those moments, and hopefully in revision they flesh out. Some don't. Some you just cut right out of there. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. You mentioned Ocean View and you mentioned Bob and Pat. Um, I have read a number of Ocean View books. They seem to have a real knack for picking. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because they're they're different types of crime fiction, but the books are always really good. Um, have Have you read any of of the other Ocean View authors? Absolutely. Uh, um, David Putnam is a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He writes uh, Bruno Johnson series, yep. and Phil, Phil Donnelly. I read some of his and. Um, yeah, I think they're really. I think Ocean View is really smart. Um, I was writing a blog uh, about something the other day, mm-hmm. and uh, a guest blog, and talking about the the industry now. How it's there are opportunities that there weren't there before. I mean, it's very consolidated now with the big houses, but a lot of these smaller, smart publishers are coming up, and they just very fo- They're very narrowly focused. And Ocean View knows what they want to do. They want to have um, mysteries, and they're not. And it's pretty. It's pretty much you know they call them. Um, um, thrillers, mm-hmm. but there's it's yeah, I, I I tend to call it crime fiction, but it's still it's pretty it's harder I think it's some pretty hard stuff. There's no uh, cozies or anything like that, so they have a narrow focus, and because of that, I think they really do a good job of putting out what they want to. Um, yeah, I think they're very smart, and and they're able to put authors like you in a position to win pretty prestigious awards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is are, pretty actually. nice. Yeah, they're um, they do a great job. You mentioned David Putnam. David will be on the show here soon, and I've I've known David for a while. You're sort of the opposite of David. He he wrote like 50 manuscripts before he got one <laughs> published, and and you wrote one probably 50 different drafts of it. Well, plus he's about six six, and I'm five eight too. So. <laughs> yes, he towers over everyone. <laughs> yeah, he's a large large man. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty amazing guy in that. I think yeah, I really think he's got some like 40 or 50 manuscripts. Um, but he's a fast writer and, uh, he's very, um, he's, he has a very good routine that he sticks to. He's very dedicated and some people write fast. Some people don't write so fast. I don't write so fast. Um, as I, you know, so for me to get, I really should, I really should get a book out of here. Um, but it stretches beyond that. It's not gonna be two years before our next book, but it's not gonna be 12 months either. All right. The book came out yesterday. It's available where? It's available everywhere. Hopefully, uh, it's obviously in uh, mostly independent bookstores. Mm-hmm. It's available online. Um, you know, the big, the big guy, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and all, pretty much any platform is available as well. Okay. Well, I, I read the book. Really enjoyed it. I'm going to go back and read the first one. I think this is this is uh, an exciting new series, and I'm I'm really Thank happy you. to have had the opportunity to read it. Matt, what's the best way for readers to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, you can go to my website, which is mattcoilbooks.com. It's M-A-T-T-C-O-Y-L-E books. Um, catch me on Facebook, and I think I'm not that much on Twitter. My <laughs> Twitter handle, I think, is at uh, CoilM. Okay, and I'll link to all of those in the show notes. Matt, it was great talking to you. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. 
You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.crimefiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or a review. Those help other crime fiction readers find great new books like Night Tremors from Matt Coyle. 